something the other day, the other morning, I asked in the morning meditation group uh, for if they if anybody went to a Dharma class, what the topic they wanted would like to be that day. And there were two suggestions. One was joy and the other was dependent origination. So I chose to speak about joy. (laughs) So (laughs) that's what I want to talk about tonight. Um, I think it's actually helpful to talk about joy right now because we have been in a period of um, great uh, impermanence where impermanence just is smacking us in the face on a regular basis. It's, It's always here. Impermanence really just means change and everything is always changing. Yet right now it's it's changing at a at light speed. And so we there's no way to deny it. There's no way to uh, go around it. And so um, because of this change, there's a lot of discomfort that comes. There's a lot of unease that's present. And there's a lot of sadness. There's a lot of loss. There's a lot of grief. There's a lot of mourning. Um, Hopefully you've taken the time to grieve and mourn because the life we know has changed. Um, it may seem somewhat that it's getting back to quote unquote normal, but it's actually changed for, uh, uh, in many, many, many ways. And the future is not clear. Uh, it's clear in a little bit, but not really. We don't have a clue. We never have a clue, but right now we know we don't have a clue. So it's unsettling and we can have a tendency to get stuck in that place, get stuck in that place of, negativity and there's a negativity bias and there's this tendency to always be on the lookout for what difficulties are happening and so recognizing that there are um, joys as well as sorrows present so to really train the mind to experience joy is important and it's part of the Buddhist teaching in fact joy is one of the seven factors of awakening you don't get to awaken and um, liberate uh, and be free unless you can experience joy when it is present and to know there is joy and to know that there is joy in the midst of pain and sorrow and sadness. So that's what I wanted to talk about tonight. In fact, tomorrow morning I'm teaching um, a class. I'm teaching in England tomorrow. I don't have to go there. But I'm teaching at South Sea Sangha, which is in Portsmouth in south of England. And um, I'm going to talk about 10,000 10, joys and 10,000 sorrows. I had, a, I had to pick the topic six weeks ago, but um, it's apropos, I think. Uh, because even in this time of, like I said, even in this time of, of great sadness and um, grief and loss, there's joy. And one of the ways... Um, I like to uh, look at joy is is the way that um, James Barris has laid it out. And James Barris is a teacher up at Spirit Rock, and he has um, he has taught a class for many, many, many years called Awakening Joy. And I I I I actually um, certified to teach it and did some. Um, training in it last year and and facilitated a group through it and I just really find it powerful. Uh, It's a really powerful practice um, 
and very moving. I know Cassandra was in the group and um, I think you liked it. <laughs> you said you did. Yeah, it was I and I did it while I was while I was um, working through it as well. And it was it was really um, I think it's really worthwhile. And one of the things that uh, is important, just like with any of the words that uh, we use, we kind of land on a particular word like joy or suffering. Um, Buddhism talks about suffering a lot, and it sometimes feels like there's only suffering in this teaching. But um, uh, obviously there's not just suffering, but it, we get stuck on that and we get stuck on that word. But suffering, you can also use words like um, unease or discontent or stress. Um, the word can be translated, dukkha can be translated in many ways. And so joy, if joy is a word that just kind of doesn't, doesn't land for you, you can think of something like contentment or ease or um, uh, aliveness or presence, something that has a, a I don't want to say pleasant, but less of a uh, 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 it's like the the counterpoint to discomfort. It's the it's the balancing of um, of of, of uh, sadness and um, dukkha. So that is wise um, to recognize when it's present, but sometimes we need some help. Um, because we do, the brain does have this negativity bias, this this bias that looks for what's gonna what's gonna eat us, you know, what's what's the challenge here? How do I take care of myself? And so, to move out of that and to create a balance in the mind, we we can sometimes um, support that. So the first of these these this way to in, move towards cultivation of joy is to incline the mind to joy, to say okay. I am going to make this part of how I show up in the world. I'm going to make the decision to be with the joy that's present when it's present. Um, because there's a there's such a tendency to say no, to deny the reality of what's right here. Especially in these last, I mean, in general it's true, but it's been very true in the last couple of months because there has been so much... Um, so much loss and so much sadness, so much grief. So, you know, when something fun happens or something delightful happens in your life and you go, oh, I can't feel this because so many people are suffering. People have it so much worse than I do. You know, um, comparative, there's comparative suffering. You know, you, you label how you feel in this, um, in this made up, um, made up system of judging things and so it's like well I'm not allowed to feel I'm not allowed to feel this because and it's like what that is is that's a denial of reality if joy is present you have to be with it allow it to be there experience it as it's happening um, it's uh, it's important to begin to incline the mind towards joy you know, and that's a that's a basic teaching. The the Buddha said is, you know, the in the Dhammapada, the mind follows the mind, like a like a cart follows an ox. So if you incline your mind to joy, you're going to move in that direction. If you incline your mind to see and crap all the time, you're going to see what you look for. That's that's a that the brain does that. What you what you what you look for is what you see. So if you allow joy to be part of your life, you're going to see more of that. It's like when you buy a new car, 
and all of a sudden everybody has the same car, you notice that car or you have something and you like, when did everybody do this? It's like, because, you know, now it's part of your, your awareness, but you have to invite it in. So be willing to invite joy in. Um, secondly, um, there is mindfulness that underlies everything that underlies everything you have to pay attention you have to be aware if you're not paying attention it's a crapshoot whether you see things or not whether you feel things or not um, what's the line they use is you must be present to win you know it's like with raffles it's a door prize you have to be here you don't get it so that's the same thing with joy. You have to be present to win. You have to be present to win. You have to be present for all of the experiences, you know, for the sadness, for the joy, for the, for the um, whatever it is. You have to be paying attention. And so that's what we're doing when we sit in, in meditation. So you recognize your actual experience. What's happening right now? What is it? That's why that question, those, those questions get asked in all those different ways. Um, Beginner's mind, what is this? Letting go of our preconceived ideas. What is this? What is this? Or right now it's like this. Or rain, recognize that, that teaching about rain, recognize what's, what's right here. You know, what is this? Um, be in the present. You can't, you know, the mind will take you somewhere else, but come back to right here. What's it like right now? What's it feel like right now? And recognize that the present moment is always changing. When you're really present, you can feel the things come and go. Sometimes they hang around for a bit, but sometimes you can also feel them coming and going. Um, talking about this, um, going on walks early on, and like back in March, I'd walk around the neighborhood and I'd see some stores that were closed and little handwritten signs in the window. And, and I have this great, feel this great sense of sadness come up, you know, for the loss, um, not knowing what's going to happen to these people and to their business. And, and then I'd walk a little bit further and it was beautiful in March. We had a lot of rain and there was these beautiful clouds and the sunsets were stunning and there'd be great joy. You know, there'd be the sadness and then I'd look up and then I could feel the joy coming. And then I'd walk a little further and there was a lot of chalk art. Um, the first month or so, the first few weeks, there was a lot of chalk art on the ground saying you can do this and rainbows and this. And, and I'd feel the, these emotions of gladness and and sweetness and tears and um, connection with people I didn't see because everybody was in their houses. And so there was these emotions one after the other after the other. But if we're stuck in our minds, we're not going to feel those things. We're going to be I'm going to be thinking about what didn't happen or what's going to happen and be caught in fear or overwhelm. So this mindfulness is so important. It's such an important foundation to this cultivation of joy. Um, we don't get it without it. This third step, and I, I'm saying um, these steps are as James Barris has laid out. I'm not making this stuff that stuff up. This is from this is from awakening joy. Anyway, um, the third step in this this teaching of his is the cultivation of gratitude. 
I like to say you can't be grumbling and grateful at the same time. You know, it's um, this this being. That's why I always put um, a gratitude practice at the end of meditation because it actually has a beneficial impact. It has a beneficial impact on our mind, on our brains. So to be willing to um, find something you're grateful for, something simple. It doesn't have to be grandiose. Our minds have a tendency to go to the big thing. Um, and our minds also can, when we're in a grumbly place, even breathing is like, ugh, why should I be grateful for that, you know? Have you, have you ever done that? You know, something, well, you can be grateful because you can walk. And you're like, ah, screw that. You don't understand my problems. And it's like, hmm, sounds like you're a little out of balance. So um, really, oh, I can walk. Yeah, I can walk. Okay. That is a heart practice. It softens the heart. Um, gives you a bigger context. You know, gets out of that me, 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 that small ego that we get stuck in that craving, that grasping, that clinging to all about us. So it opens it up. It's like, oh, yeah, there's a bigger picture here. That's really important. It's really important. This next step is also incredibly important, and that is the ability to find joy in difficult times, which is what's happening right now. And I just talked about that, walking down the street and feeling sadness and then feeling joy the next moment. There, It's a our moment-by-moment moment embodied awareness. When we are open to reality, it is what it is. It is what it is. Um, uh, as, I, as I talked about, briefly mentioned, sometimes we get into judging mind. You know, it's, there's joy. How can I be joyful? How can I be happy? How can I be content? How can I have ease? You know, and that's that shaming, judging mind. And you can't help what shows up. You cannot help sh what shows up. I listened to this podcast by Brene Brown, and she talked to, I think his name was David Kessler, who has written books on grief. And he says, you, you know, when you're in grief, you have to grieve, but you can't help what comes up the next minute. You can't, that's not denying the grief. That's not a denial of the actual experience you just had a moment ago or of the sadness that's present. But it's also not a denial of the, of the ease that you're feeling or the, the, the joy that's present. So to recognize that there's both sides are, um, you can have that. Um, you're open to everything. And you're, and... No, I'm not going to go there. I was going to go off on a path of something else, but I won't. And so what we do want to do is be tender. Always be tender. Be tender towards all of the experiences we have. Be tender towards ourselves. Be compassionate in the difficult times. And be tender when there's joy. We don't say no to anything. And what you're doing when you're, when you're, when you're reflecting on this or when you're holding this is you're... Um, kind of knocking down the walls that have been built up because we have this tendency to build up walls to keep us keep ourselves from being hurt the problem is we keep out the 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 joy as well so when we're willing to be oh we're open to the unpleasant we're open to the pain the difficulties that allows us to also open to the joy 
So we're open to everything. We don't say no to what anything that's present. Um, and and we watch out for that second dart. If you know the story of the second arrow, it's like we have a painful experience. And then we bring the, the judging mind on it. It's like, this is, this is terrible. Um, you know, I've lost my job. I'm never going to work again. No one's ever going to hire me. Going to have to sell my house. Going to have to move. Where will I go? I don't know. I'm going to be on the street. All these things within five seconds. The mind is that quick and goes to those places. I've, I'm, have you, I'm sure you've all found those places. I'm sure you've all been there. I've been to those places a million times. Come back. Come back. Um, so com kindness and compassion as you hold, the allow yourself to um, be joyful in difficult times as well. The next, the next one is to um, recognize the bliss of blamelessness, which means living a life of integrity. Because when you have integrity, when you do not, um, uh, when you live the precepts, when you work with right action and um, move through the world uh, without causing harm, being wise with your speech and your sexuality and being not taking what's not offered and, and not ingesting things that lead to heedlessness, there's a, you can be in the world with ease. And when you can be in the world with ease because of the way you're living with integrity, it's much easier to be joyful. If you're going around hurting people and being a, an asshole, you know, regularly and just being a jerk, um, it, it pays. You, you know, there's this discomfort. Sometimes you feel guilty about your behavior and that makes, you know, then you're like a little more constricted and that doesn't make room for, doesn't allow room for joy to get in because then you really go, oh, I can't, I can't feel that, um, that, that joy that is, um, that, that wholesome joy, not the, you know, not the joy you have when you, you rob a bank and you have now a lot of money. That's kind of different. It's the, it's a wholesome joy, um, that comes with living a blameless life and not causing harm. It feels good. If any of you have had bad habits and now have broken those habits, doesn't it feel good to have let go of those? It does. So that's the flavor of the bliss of blamelessness. And it's um, and so you want to investigate where you get stuck in these places, where you are causing harm and make efforts to let go of that. Practice renunciation, letting go of what doesn't serve, letting go of what is um, harmful, both to yourself and to other beings. Yeah, you create more space and more room for wise and loving ways of being. So um, you want to learn to the next step is letting go. The joy of letting go. I love that. I love I love letting go. Um, Ajahn Chah, the, the wise Thai forest master of the last century, he's, his whole message was let go. Let go, let go, let go. Uh, Ajahn Sumedho also, uh, uh, he's a monk in, in the Thai forest tradition. Let go, let go, let go. Let, he said he practiced for two years letting go of everything. Just everything, let go. 
my pizza for dinner. Just let it go. Just let go. Just let go. Let go. Let go. Let go. Let go. That that's the antidote to clinging and craving. And clinging is what causes suffering, causes stress, causes discomfort, or wanting things to be the way they are. If you're so um, invested in having things a certain way and they don't go the way you want them to go, how can you be joyful? But if you're not so invested, if you're able to let go and wear the world as a loose garment, then when things don't go your way, it doesn't rob you of joy. You, there might be disappointment, but it's like, it's okay. It's okay. I don't need things to be the way I want them to be, to be um, fine. To have some contentment and ease. That's a superpower right there. That's an incredible superpower. Um, so watch, watch your story. Watch where you're caught up. We suffer so much from our from being attached to our story of what it's supposed to look like. You know, all of our lives have shifted dramatically. And I don't think we're all suffering mightily. There are moments of ease in this, but if we can let go of what it's supposed to be look like, what it's supposed to look like, and we never knew what it was going to look like anyway. I remember ha having conversations with people a few months ago about they were worried about something that was going to happen to them. That's they had gotten some news and and the, their whole life was consumed by trying to figure it out. And I was just thinking about it today going, that's all changed now that that what they spent all that time worrying about is all gone. There's some there's something new that has taken its place. And how often does that happen? That happens all the time. We worry about something and then it doesn't come to pass. And then we just kind of let it go. But we do it again and again and again because we, want, we think we need to have something look a certain way to be okay. So this is an invitation to let go of that because when you let go of that, there's makes space for joy. It makes space to, to have this ease. So the next two steps in this, this awakening joy roadmap are is loving the sweetness of loving ourselves and the joy of loving others. So it's the, it's the heart practices. It's loving kindness for ourselves, unconditional love for ourselves. If you're sitting there judging yourself, it's hard to let joy in. Really difficult. So this also brings in the practice of forgiveness. We get to practice self-forgiveness. Forgiveness is a, is a, there's the four traditional heart practices of loving kindness and compassion and appreciative joy and equanimity. And then moving out, there's gratitude. There's forgiveness. These are really part and parcel of this. And especially in, in our culture, there's the, this, you know, when we're not good enough and we're taught that from a very young age, what, what, for whatever reason and however we're taught that. Um, that, the messages we receive, forgiveness can is sometimes incredibly important and is necessary before we can even get to that that self love, that loving kindness. But the Buddha said, there should be no one dearer to you than you. You should love you above all and recognize that all beings love themselves above all. 
And so we should treat treat each other with kindness and not harm one another because we are so dear to ourselves and dear to each other. So this is the sweetness of loving ourselves and this joy of loving others. You know, again, letting go of the agenda of, you know, there's no conditional. It's not conditional. We love others unconditionally. We don't eliminate boundaries. Very important point. We can love people, what is the phrase? We let them into our hearts, but not into our homes. Because if they're unwise and unskillful and caught up in greed, hatred, and delusion and causing harm, this is not saying, well, you still have to let them abuse you and love them. It's like, no, 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 that's idiot compassion. That is not wise, wise compassion. You have to be, um, um, uh, take, take responsibility for, uh, uh, taking care of yourself. You can't let yourself be harmed because that's that's a precept, not causing harm to yourself and to others. So you 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 set up boundaries. You can love the person and not the behavior. That's that's the difference. So you you practice metta, loving kindness for yourself. You practice loving kindness for others. And um, there, it's like you can the 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 um, Ajahn Chah, who I mentioned earlier, talking about let go, he had a a very, very famous quote, let go a little, get a little peace, let go a lot, get a lot, get complete peace, or let go completely, get complete peace. So there's a, um, there's another, um, um, there's another, uh, there's another, um, way to use that phrase um, that James talks about in the book. And he says, love a little, get a little joy, love completely, get complete joy. So when you're able to hold um, everyone with loving kindness and goodwill, when you can have goodwill towards all beings, there's no animosity in your heart. There's no, there's no hatred in your heart. There's no aversion in your heart. That's an incredibly liberating place to be. Incredibly liberating place to be. Again, it's not doesn't mean you don't have boundaries. But you don't hold on to ill will. And ill will is um is not where you want to be. That's a that's a block between you and others. And it's a block between you and joy. And then the and then moving into the next one is um, compassion. You know that having compassion, hearing the cries of the world. That's what they talk about when they talk about the um, the the uh, 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 Kuan Yin, who is considered the you know the embodiment of compassion. She's the the um, the, the person who hears the cries of the world and she's ready to move into action at any moment. There's a, the way she's, um, the way she's often um, shown in statues and drawings is she's sitting and she's got her hand on her knee like that, ready to jump into action. And she's at ease. The, it's the posture of royal ease. She's just, she's at ease. She's content. Yet she's open to the cries of the world. She's open to be touched by the suffering of the world and opening to move into taking care. 
of whatever needs to be taken care of, taking action, caring for the world, not being subsumed by it, not being overtaken by it, but having her heart open, not shutting down. And when you don't shut down to suffering, you don't shut down to joy. You're open to both. There's the, the, the balance, the 10,000 joys, the 10,000 sorrows. We're open to everything. And then um, finally in this, this practice of awakening joy is the um, joy of being. The joy of just being in the present moment with this embodied awareness where the mind is relaxed. That there's this sense of equanimity, this ability to be intimate with whatever our experience is. Rest with things the way they are. You know, and there's this sense of connection with all beings. When we can really become intimate with our own experience, our own suffering, our own pain, our own grief, there's this, this sense of connection with the human condition that arises where we're more, we're more able to hold the suffering of the world feeling it as as it arises and it passes, knowing this just happens. This is just the nature of existence. There's no getting around it, so quit fighting reality. When you fight reality, you suffer. You get bent out of shape in so many ways. Um, and, and all these pieces of this, the steps to awakening joy, you know, work together to create joy. You know, we, we, we um, uh, yeah, we work together to create joy and, and not shut down to suffering. That's where I think that idea of the idea of 10,000 joys, 10,000 sufferings is a, is a, is a phrase is meant to remind us that shit happens all the time and good stuff happens all the time. You know, I was, I was talking to a friend of mine a few weeks ago. She called me and she said, she had just gotten off the phone with her dad and her stepmom had just been diagnosed with third or fourth stage um, uh, I don't know, bladder cancer, I think it was. And she was, she was terrified because it was in the middle of when this, this, this coronavirus thing was really at its peak. And she was terrified of her, her stepmom having to go into the hospital and what would happen and how would surgery turn out. And she's really unhealthy. And would she catch the virus when she was in the hospital? You know, all the mind, 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 mind. So she was just like in this place of, ah, and she said, but right before that phone call, she had gotten a phone call from her boss. She had been interviewing for this huge promotion. It was like one of those four level, you know, she was on her fourth interview or third interview. And she was just given the news that she was going to move on to the next level. You know, all the candidates are falling away and she was one of the top two candidates. So there's this great joy followed by this great sadness. And then she goes back and forth between the two. And it's like, that's how life works. That's how it works. And we don't say no to any of it. We say yes to everything because that's the way it is. So there's 10,000 joys, 10,000 sorrows. It's like the teaching of the eight, uh, the eight worldly winds. There's praise and there's blame. 
There's gain and there's loss. There's pleasure. There's pain. There's fame and infamy. We get them all just because we're humans. So when you open with open to it, you can be much more at ease because um, this is the way it is. That's my favorite quote from Buddha. Shit happens. It's not a direct translation, but that's the gist of it. And it's going to keep happening. You're not going to get to a point where it doesn't happen. Nobody's that good. You know, even it's going to happen. If you're a human being, you're going to experience this stuff. The enlightenment, the liberation happens with how you handle it. When you're not attached to it. When you recognize that everything passes. This book I just read called In Love with the World by this Tibetan Lama. He was really close to dying. He got food poisoning. He was doing a, a starting a three-year or a three-year retreat where he was just going to live on the street. He ran away from his monastery and he was living on the street. And he ate some food that was not good and he was just going to die. He knew he was dying. He actually was close to dying until people found him and took him to the hospital. But um, he was just saying goodbye to everything in his mind. He'd been practicing for 30 years, so he was really present. Um, and he struggled you know, his mind, but then he got to a point where he's like saying goodbye to everything, saying goodbye to things that brought him, you know, that he loved the, the mountain near the village where he grew up. He goes, it was my mountain. He goes, I let it go. I said goodbye to anything. Didn't hold on to anything. You know, that's, he was just like, you let go. You let go. There's the, one other story just popped into my head about this one monk who was being chased by a tiger or, or a wild animal and he came to an edge of a cliff and he there was one branch growing out from the side of the cliff and he, he, he ran he climbed out on the branch and the tiger was just at the at the cliff, you know, staring at him so there was no way back and then the branch started kind of bending from his weight and it was like a long way down and it was, you know, that was kind of going to be the end of it for him. So he was aware of this and he was like, okay, this is it. And then he noticed a strawberry growing at the end of the branch and he plucked the strawberry and he went, mm, and he ate it. And he was filled with such joy and delight because of the taste, the sweetness of the fruit. That's it. You don't miss out on what's here. There is joy. Don't miss it. Don't miss it because you're so in the in the sadness and the pain and the sorrow and the, the shoulds and the coulds and the woulds. Be with the moment and open to the joy that's there. Open to the ease of the present moment when it's there. Those are my five cents. I'd love to have any any questions or comments or thoughts, rebuttals. Having trouble figuring out how to integrate with um, panic, as in uh, small um, everyday panics like, oh, I just touched my keys and then I, I touched my mouth, or I kept having a great day and uh, I went to the gas station and I, you know, I, I started putting gas and then I realized I forgot to put on my mask. So I'm starting to equate joy with forgetting that stuff, or also it kind of ruins my day because I feel like. You, you have to be vigilant. You have to remember all this stuff. Oh, my God. What? You know, like, it's all small stuff. It's not huge. But it, it interrupts enough for me to to 
need joy, but I, I mean, I know what you're saying. You're, you're saying that's how it is. And it goes back and forth and just accept, accept it all. But I, I'm not sure how to put that into practice for something like that. Mm. Thank you. When you were talking, it reminded me of the phrase that just popped into my mind, death by a thousand paper cuts. <sighs> it's like, so, you know, I think what you want to be careful of when there's those little panic attacks is, because I've done that too. In fact, I went over to a friend's house the other day. Uh, um, she asked me to help her with her taxes. She had a stroke a couple of years ago and her brain just doesn't fire anymore. And I, and I, after I got home, I realized that, um, she lives in an apartment building and I walked in and I opened the door to the staircase and I walked upstairs and I went in and I, and I didn't wash my hands. And then I came home and I go, well, if I'm going to get COVID it's today, you know, it's just today. And I washed my hands when I got home. So there's a, there's a place where you can come to, Oh my God. And then there's the, okay, deal, come to the, come to the sense of fear and tend to the fear that's right here and not go running off in the story. What does that mean? Because the, the panic comes from the this means this. It equals this. It equals yeah. instant death or I'm <laughs> fucked now. Um, right. And just like, oh, shit, this happened. Okay. You know, I, 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 I. Yeah, I think what the pendulum goes like this and it's got to come back a little bit because we all we have all done that. We have all done things we probably shouldn't have done. And it's like with anything, if we get caught up in the future, you're nowhere near the present. So if you're so caught up in, oh, my God, this means all these things, then you're not paying attention to what's right here. So just come back, tend to that what's in here. Oh, there's fear. It might be fear that's in there or judgment about you're so stupid. Will you ever figure this out? You know who we don't know. Nobody knows what's inside. So when you find yourself running off the mind, running into that place, reel yourself back in and sit with the experience. What emotion is present and tend to that emotion. Be gentle with that emotion. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.